Welcome to the Bruins Benders Podcast, sponsored by Lops Brewing and presented by Anchor. Lops Brewing is a brewery and tasting room in downtown Woonsocket, Rhode Island, and it specializes in small batch ales and lagers. It's open seven days a week. And you know what? You can use the coupon code SPORTS to get 10% off your online order. So visit lopsbrewing.com and follow them on social media at Lops Brewing. That's L-O-P-S. Brewing right there in Woonsocket. It is episode six. I am your host, Maddie, and my co-host, once battles new kids on the block, Danny Wood, in men's floor hockey, it's Smitty. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you very yeah, much. That's a true story. That is a true story. <laughs> yeah, we, uh, we played in a floor hockey league, ball hockey league down in uh, Hingham, Massachusetts against the new kids, or I think it was just him, right? There weren't any other new it kids. Just, it was just, yeah, it was just him. It was just him. They're part of the least talented new kids in the block. Yeah. And the shortest, because he's a little guy. <laughs> a little guy. Yeah, a little spark plug, though. A little no, fireball. He wasn't he? Yeah, he was chirping. Yeah. <laughs> he was. He was. He had like $15 million in the bank, and he was playing in Hingham. Yeah. On the floor hockey league. Yeah, on Sunday, <laughs> Sunday mornings or something, wasn't he it? Was, he was. He was. Yeah, he was. We had we had teammates throwing up in barrels, you know, because yeah. we couldn't run all the distance. But, yeah. So here, uh, here we are in episode six. A special guest coming up later on. Mike Milbury will join us to talk Bruins. We're really excited about that. You can follow us on social media at Bruins Benders and also email us at BruinsBenders at gmail.com. And then we can review four games to get after. And all the way back to the game at Buffalo, a 5-1 to one win. And I had a shaky start there, a bad goal given up by Jeremy Swayman. Uh, and a save you kind of need to make there. And we've talked about that with these inexperienced goaltenders. Uh, but the Bruins recovered quickly. Four goals in the first. Never looked back. Five different goal scorers. And all in all, it was a pretty good, maybe one of the better efforts after that shaky start they've had, really. Yeah, I thought so. I thought it was a pretty good bounce back win. Four guys with multiple points. Like you said, five different goal scorers. Hall and Coyle, uh, both chip in. Zaboro, Riley, and Forgord all had points. Swayman, uh, after giving up that softy early, did save a penalty shot, which was big at the time. You know, the only thing that, you know, and, and we know he's okay now, but that McAvoy uh, hit there with when he left with injury in the mm. third, that was, uh, you know, fingers crossed kind of a moment because if he goes down, uh, oh, the boy. Bruins are absolutely <laughs> screwed. Kind of along the same lines as if you lose a Bergeron or a Marchand or, you know, Pasternak or McAvoy, you know, those are your kind of core guys. If you lose any one of those guys for a long time, I mean, you might as well just uh, start the tank and uh, <laughs> see if you can yeah. find a see if you can find a decent center in the uh, in the draft lottery. <laughs> right, right. I, I I agree. I mean, you can't lose McAvoy at all. And, and I I might make a case that you he's the last guy you could lose right now for an extended period of time just because of the blue line so shaky and he's such a quarterback played 28 minutes the other night so I would definitely say that Friday the two days later a matinee against the Rangers uh it was a good first period for them they lose five to two a bad late goal in the first which just haunts them every once in a while you need a save there again. You know, one of those where they come down and, and you just need a big save and you, and you don't get it. Uh, so that sort of negates all the really good first period 
uh, momentum that they had there. Uh, for Bort and Carlo, that pairing wasn't a good idea from the beginning. <laughs> and uh, what are we doing there? Because that's just not a pair that should be together. No, I, I, I thought it was, I thought they were terrible. I mean, like you said, that wasn't a good idea from the beginning. They were minus three during the game. Shostakhin was a difference in the first. He was fantastic. And uh, he held the Rangers in the game. And then they got that, that late goal, like you said, five seconds left in the period. I mean, an absolute backbreaker. The Bruins can't get that big save. And that's the difference, I think, this year versus Tukarask. And there's people who kill Tukarask, but he would make those saves pretty regularly when the team broke down in front of him. He would make that big save in a key moment. It was a kind of a, a bad effort, you know, after the, after the good first. The second and the third periods were forgettable. I mean, they, they really didn't do much at all, and the Rangers just took it to them. They, they did, and, and the Rangers have been better this year, but even Don Sweeney and Cam Neely both said it. Their, their, their goaltenders have been okay. And with this defensive core that they have right now, especially the, you know, the second third pair, the second pair hasn't been great, Carlo and Grizzlick. The third pair has been you know, kind of a mess. It, you, you need big saves, like you say, and... They've just been okay, and that's not a good sign at all. Uh, so that leads into Sunday's game against the Canucks, a team that comes in that was 2-7-1 and one in their last 10. I mean, Vancouver's been bad. Uh, it was a tough start for the Bruins. Allmark wasn't great early, but he did make a sparkler of a save with the, with the Canucks shorthanded with 12 minutes left in the game. That was the big save that we've been talking about. And that helped them, you know, stay in the game. Brad Martian, again, was, you know, led them all the way. He was the momentum changer. He was the leader from the start. He was playing, you know, his heart out. And he's been doing that quite a bit this year. And even in the games that they win, he, he has been a big part of almost all of those games. And you see it now since he's had the suspension that it's really, he's, he's really missed when they don't have him. Uh, can't keep relying on him to do it all season long. And, and now that he's suspended, you need other players to step up. Yeah, I mean, that was a tough start. Absolutely. They didn't play great early. Marchand absolutely took over physically. He was hitting everybody, kind of trying to will the Bruins along with him. I mean, he shouldn't have to, as a 5'9 guy, set the tone physically for the team. I mean, no. that's a joke that mm. you can't have guys like Forbert or Kylo who have the size, Frederick, you know, I mean, those are the type of guys that you want to uh, set the tone physically. Felino, mm. you know, there's other guys on the team. Your bottom six forwards, that should be their job. That should be their job. Punish the yeah. other team's defense, get in on the forecheck, cause havoc, get pucks to the net, and bang home rebounds. I mean, it's not mm. difficult. That should be your job. That should be that should your be. job. And yeah. Allmark did make that huge save on the breakaway uh, late to kind of hold off the Canucks and kind of seal that win. I don't think the Bruins win the game because they were pretty fragile coming off that Rangers loss. So I don't think they win the game if, if uh, Allmark doesn't make that save. Yeah, and that was the type of save that we've been talking about and that they need more of, and he, and he was able to make it and able to keep the Bruins in it, and they were able to get the win, even though it wasn't a pretty win. You know, this team just needs to win and get two points each time that they can. Now, the most recent game against Detroit, a 2-1 to loss. And this is just a frustrating night all, all together. You know, Jake DeBrusque is asked to be traded. He was actually forced to be on the fourth line because Providence has had a real COVID issue. They can't call players up. And Marchand, of course, has been suspended. So without Marchand and with DeBrusque on the fourth line there, 
The Bruins outshoot the uh, Red Wings 42 to 16, but it, it just isn't like there's a lot of high danger, you know, chances there. It's a lot of perimeter looks, you know, the rebounds are not there for them. We've talked about rebounds from them in earlier episodes that they just don't get a lot of rebound goals. They don't get a lot of traffic in net. Something that Cassidy has talked about before that they need to be better at, but they never seem to be. A lot of the shots, you know, just, you know, they, they take a quick shot from, from deep, maybe a wrist shot in, and not really a difficult save to make. And Andy Brickley talked about it, the will to score. And they just it just wasn't there for them. No, I, it was a very frustrating night. I mean, to watch them outshoot that team by that much and, you know, be trailing most most of the game. And then they finally they finally get it back even after a nice play by Hall and the power play to Pasternak. And then Riley takes a stupid retaliation penalty in the corner. They get the extra attacker on. They don't even need him, though. He doesn't even get there. And they get a puck to the net, rebound, and a goal because the guy's left uncovered. They've had so many defensive breakdowns where guys are shooting pucks into open nets. I mean, it's ridiculous. It's ridiculous. And it drives me insane. Every time they make a mistake this year so far, it seems to be ending up in their net. Every time. Mm -hmm. And they're kind of in a bad place right now, I feel like. The whole DeBrus thing... I saw Bergeron's comments and he was like, whether I'm surprised or not, you know, we just have to, you know, we'll be there for him and he needs to be there for us. You know, it's a good thing to say as a captain. I think he's pissed. I think he's pissed yeah, that I, the Brust took it public. And yeah. I, the fans obviously were pissed. They were booing, you know, they were booing him. I mean, it's kind of a polarizing topic because mm-hmm. a lot of the fans on Twitter are defending him. And then there's a lot of people who are also saying he had plenty of opportunity to sure. show what he could do. He was on the second line with David Krejci for a long time. He's gotten all kinds of uh, opportunities to show what he can do, and he's just not consistent at all. No, and his, and his effort is a big part of it, and when you continue to hear about his effort, it just leads me to believe. Now, we had a poll that we'll talk about later on about who, who is to blame for Jake DeBrus uh, in the whole situation. Largely, I believe that it is DeBrusque and it is self-inflicted, and whether that's because of, you know, the Nazem Kadri hit and, and concussions. And he, it seems to me when a guy is constantly being, you know, sort of dogging it on the ice, it seems to me that maybe he's lost his passion to play some and just doesn't know how to say it or doesn't want to say it or, or what have you. But something changed there with him because he was a real, you know, grinder on the ice when he first came into the league. I mean, he was getting sort of greasy goals. He had great speed. He had, you know, a good shot. I mean, he was he was scoring 20-plus goals. Now, he hasn't done much of anything. And he did have time with Krejci. So it's not like Krejci left and he hasn't done anything. He had plenty of time with Krejci. Mm-hmm. The decline happened well before that. And it's been going on for a while. So, you know, a lot of people were saying, boy, I hate Bruins fans. They're booing him. I think Bruins fans have sort of a right to boo him because he didn't bring much effort. Look, 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 Boston's a blue collar sports city. They like PJ Stock over Sergey Samsonov. They like Tron mm-hmm. Nixon over Manny Ramirez. I mean, that's, that's just how it is. Yeah, they so love Trent Frederick because he beats yeah. up Tom Wilson. Right, and he stinks. He doesn't do anything besides, you know, maybe give a guy a face washer once in a while. So, hey. That's Boston. So you have to you have to understand that when you play here. So I don't blame the fans for booing because he dogged it. He didn't give much effort. He declined severely. And now he asks out like it's some change of scenery is going to help. I don't blame them. And I and I seen a lot of people saying that Bruins fans should be ashamed of themselves and everything. Screw that. They gave him another contract. 
to try to work it out even longer. I mean, they gave him every opportunity when they should have traded him probably a year ago and should have let him go. But they tried and tried and tried, and he just didn't. He just didn't come around, and now he wants to leave. So I, I don't blame him, to be honest. I don't either. I don't blame them at all. I mean, it's a blue-collar town. You have to work hard, first and foremost, in this town in order for the fans to like you. You don't have to be the greatest player, but if you put in effort, the fans will love you. As simple as that. All you got to do is put in effort. That's it. You don't have to be any good. You just have to try hard. That's it. That's it. That's all. And he doesn't try hard all the time. And you... We're on his side. I mean, you were the your bold prediction was that he was going to get twenty five goals. Right, I mean, right. you, I mean, you, right. we wanted we wanted him to succeed. The Bruins mm-hmm. needed him to succeed. Right, but you can only look so many times at him loafing it on the back check or something before it starts to grate on you after a while. So I don't have any problem with the fans booing him either because if he's not going to put in the effort and he says he doesn't want to play here anymore. The fans in the stands can't speak to Jake one-on-one and say, well, you know, I don't really appreciate your effort. Their their only recourse is to boo him. They're in the stands watching him play. He's not putting in the effort. Boo. Six episodes in and my bold prediction is already gone. So I I may have to start a new one. I mean, it's Jesus only six episodes. Well, they're not going to give, they're not going to give Marshy in the heart trophy after being suspended. So I might have to come up with a new one too. So we both, yeah, we both, we have to do a halfway point. The league doesn't like Marshy enough to, to give him uh, Oh God, no. I mean, how about department of player safety going back to 2015 for a slew foot to find precedent when repeat offenders are only supposed to be targeted for, or the repeat offender status is only supposed to matter for 18 months. And they go back to 2015. That's six years by my count. I don't know. Am I I wrong? I mean, what is the players union for? I mean, if if, if I'm Brad Marshall, I'm going to the players union and saying, what's going on here? I've been a good soldier for six years. I mean, the consistency is just ridiculous. I mean, PK and Subban was slew-footing people left and right all over the ice at the beginning of the season, and no one seemed to give a shit. And now Marchand does it, and he's one of the best players in the league, and they're taking star players out of the game. To me, it it looked like incidental contact, honestly. I didn't think he kicked his skates out. I think he he lifted his leg up off the ice for leverage to try to toss him down because he was hitting everything in sight. I mean, I, I was watching the game live. Brick was watching the game live. The announcers didn't even comment on it. There wasn't a penalty. The puck was there, and there wasn't a penalty. So the referees were looking at it, and there wasn't a penalty called. But he's going to get three games for it? You know, I agree. I, I thought it was just two guys battling hard. Sticks went high. He was losing his balance, and I thought he was just trying to stay in his skates and sort of spread his legs out. I didn't think he was going in like like a Subban does and sticks his leg out early and legitimately goes to sweep the leg. I, I didn't think that was it at all. I, I didn't. You know, look, Marshan goes in hard at the skates and legs in a legal way. He does that a lot, if you notice. Yeah, I mean, he's got a low hard. center of gravity. He goes in hard, low, because he's short, and he uses his leverage to to get in on sticks and pucks and feet and kind of knocks guys a little bit off balance. I mean, he wins a shit ton of pucks. So he does. It works. Yeah, and I was, I'm in agreement. I, I didn't think it was a slew foot anyway, but you know what? I was okay with maybe one game because, you know, of the, of the backlash about it, but three was, was too much. I didn't, I didn't like that at all. All right. It's time now for our seven chirps segment where we ask seven questions, burning questions about the Boston Bruins. We have a special guest. He is the host of Mike Milbury's Fight Club, a member-only listener club centered around a daily and afternoon podcast. To sign up, go to MikeMilbury'sFightClub.com. It is Mike Milbury. Thanks, Mike, for joining us. My pleasure. What's happening, guys? 
Uh, we're we're uh, we're in sort of limbo with the Bruins here, and, and I wanted to ask question number one to you. I heard you say recently that maybe some members of the Bruins organization wanted to go with more of the rookie goalie tandem. Do you think, as a former GM, it was the right move to move on from Daniel Vladar and bring in Linus Allmark? Would you have done that differently, knowing that you want to try to win a cup again for this core? You know, I, I it's. it's it's really easy to second guess. You know, you can understand the reasoning for Allmark signing. They wanted to be sure with Rask being out to at least January that they had a goaltender that could be a solid goaltender for them and maybe be a number one goaltender in the league. Um, but they must have had inside intelligence scouting reports that said Olmark was the guy that they could count on. So far, he's been eh, just okay, right? It's just mm-hmm. eh. You know, not, not worth $5 million bucks a year or whatever the hell they sure. paid him. Just not, not anywhere close to that. Whereas Bladar, now a different situation, different team, different structure. Uh, he's, they're lighting it up in, in Calgary. So it's, it, right now it doesn't look like it was a great deal, especially when Rask would be available in January. Uh, but I understand the reasoning, and I think my, my hope for the Bruins is that Swayman becomes the real deal because I don't think Olmark's going to be the guy that's the horse you're going to ride to the next Stanley Cup. Question number two. Bruce Cassidy's been critical of his players in the media. Could that be a sign that the message isn't getting across behind closed doors? You're right to bring it up. I mean, he's it is out of character for him, and maybe it's out of character because the team has played a lot better in recent seasons than it has so far. But when you... Uh, when you walk that path, uh, you are walking a dangerous path because you could easily lose the core players of that team if you continue to publicly scold people. I mean, let's face it, everybody knows that the Bruins have one top line, they have one top defenseman, a couple other serviceable defensemen, but their, their secondary scoring has been weak. The guys they signed as free agents have been disappointing. And uh, we, we just talked about the goaltending situation. They're not in a great spot. They're on the playoff bubble for me. And that's where they, when you look at the standings, that's what you see. I mean, they're beating teams that they should beat, correct? I mean, they're sure. beating sure. the Buffaloes of the world. And, you know, mm-hmm. I, and I, I suspect that will continue because guys like Bergeron will continue to show up. And Pasternak is a great player. And Marshawn, although absent for a few, is he'll be back and they'll, they'll be competitive. But... There's nothing about this team that says, boy, I'm excited about May. <laughs> right. And it's a big piggyback on that. The Bruins, are the Bruins on track here for a rebuild? They've had poor drafting and player development recently that's hampered them. They have the, you know, like you said, disappointing free agents, Asian core, David Krejci left, Tuka Rask is, you know, halfway out. Patrice Bergeron could be soon. So are they on the, on the path for a rebuild for all those reasons? I think they have to be. I mean... I'm sure they'd like to avoid that, you know, that it's an ugly term rebuild. I mean, it really sounds like you're going to just suck for a couple of years, but mm-hmm. I mean, if that goaltender plays well and they've got a court, they've got a number one defenseman, top five in the league in Charlie McAvoy. They have a top flight scorer in Postonok, but they have a guy, a gigantic hole now in the middle when Bergeron leaves gigantic hole. They don't, they don't have a one or a two centerman. And that is uh, a sign of, of death. It's just not going to work out for them. So I don't think they have any options, but to go back to the drawing board and figure it out. And, and what, what do they do with 
Marshans of the world. Uh, I mean, do, do they ship him off to a place that he might like to go finish his career and get a really good asset for him? Or is there some way that they can find somebody within the organization that, that's going to step in and all of a sudden assume the mantle of number two, let alone number one centerman as we go forward? Uh, question number four. Patrice Bergeron has talked about going year to year. How much longer do you think he plays? Is he going to sit here and, and wait for them to get better? <laughs> I, I, can't, I can't see that happening. I mean, he's still obviously a, an efficient and excellent player. But players, you know, forget about Tom Brady for the second. But generally speaking, players don't get better after 35. They don't get better after 30. They've hit their peak. And Bergeron has been so consistent and so great. But you know what? He's been dinged up a lot. I, I actually hope for his sake that he, he packs it in, if not at the end of this year, certainly no more than one more year because he's had a number of concussions. He's not a big guy. I mean, we know how he played in that Stanley Cup final. His body was just ravished by all sorts of injuries in, in the Chicago series. But and, and I admire him for all of that. But, boy, I can tell you, as somebody who played for 13 years professionally, it takes a toll on you, and it won't, might not happen right away. But five or six years down the line, he's going to start to feel those tweaks and want to find a good doctor to patch him back up together <laughs> right. again. So, right. uh, I mean, I, I think he's, he'd be well advised to take a look at his long-term health and, and, and what a great career it's been, Hall of Fame career. He's got nothing to be it's, – it's tough to leave it. I will say it's tough to leave it, but sometimes that's just the right call. Now, in speaking of the center position, and I'll obviously be at a crossroads here pretty soon, what, what is the feel on Jack Stanika? Is he, he came out as sort of, this is a hot prospect. We might be able to get him to be a, maybe a second-line center. And now there's been some backpedaling there. Is he still in the mix to be you know, a core guy? I think they hope so. I mean, I watched him in his brief stints. I mean, you've he, got to give the guy a chance to play regularly in a second-line role and, and see what he can do. Didn't love his skating. Didn't think his skating was over the top. I thought he's labored a little bit to get there. And that's not a good, that's not a good thing when you're in the middle and you got to cover a lot of ground from one end of the ice to the other. But I guess the, the jury is out for me on Studnika, but he's the only guy in the, in the pipeline that seems to have a chance at falling into a top six forward role. And that would make me a little nervous as a GM. So speaking of uh, your experience as a GM, uh, question number six, how would you fix this Bruins team? Well, we kind of just touched up upon it. It's, it looks like it's got to be it's got to be a rebuild and start with your, you. Hopefully, you got your goaltender in place in Swayman. Um, they've they've cast the die with Allmark for a couple of years. I don't see any need need to go back to Tuka Rask. I don't. Th- I think that's a dead end. I think Tuka Rask should be on a plane to Edmonton and go try to win himself a Stanley Cup with a really good team. But so there's not much to do in goal. Uh, they're going to need to build up their defense depth-wise. Grizzlick's a solid player behind McAvoy. Forbert's still a little, you know, I'm not a big Riley fan. I think he makes too many mistakes. He can skate like Al and moves the puck pretty well. But, uh, you know, defense is about defending, and I don't think he's an excellent defender. I think he doesn't see it well. So they, they're, they're okay on the blue line, but they do need to, to increase their depth and get a little bit more snarly back there. They, you know, they should be. Carlo and Forbert should be, they should be a little bit more physical. But anyway, they're there. And then up front, I'm, I don't know. You have to start, you have to start thinking trades. You have to start thinking 
really big deals in order to get a rebuild done. Or you have to start thinking like we're going to fall to the top, to the bottom five in this league and find ourselves with a, a top flight centerman over the next couple of years. Um, but it's, there's no, there's no instant oatmeal formula for <laughs> rebuilding this thing. You, you got to be willing to take some chances. You got to be willing to, to feel some pain, trade some people that you don't want to trade. But right now, I mean, other than the guys I mentioned on that top line, I mean, Taylor Hall looks like shit. I mean, I really, I think it just looks like crap. He's really disappointing. Doesn't look like he even cares. But that, you know, it'd be nice if he could get a center that he could play with. I mean, Krejci looked pretty good last year with him. And, well, they didn't have a great playoff. I mean, he he certainly would motivate Hall. But, and uh, Smith has been just just so-so. I don't know who they can trade up front. I mean, it's he's in. Don Sweeney's in a tough spot. He's got he's got a lot of work ahead of him, and not a lot of tools to uh, rebuild the shed. Now, in last question, is if they don't make the playoffs, or if they go out with a whimper, is this time? Is it time to move on from Sweeney and maybe Neely? Is it is it time to, for a new regime? Well, they've been pretty consistently good for a long time. Mm-hmm. I don't think there's any reason to doubt that they can do the job. Um, is it time for a completely fresh approach? I don't know. I mean, first of all, I mean, I think that'd be Neely's call and I don't think Neely's going anywhere. I don't right. think, I think he's, you know, he has president, he's, he oversees the operation. And I think he's done a, an excellent job of it. Sweeney now is facing the really, the first crisis of his general managership and there'll be a lot of focus on him and, and whether he can do the job. I'm sure Cam will, We'll hear it from ownership, and and if he hears it from ownership, he'll pass the buck along to Sweeney. But I think the the heat on the stove is starting to to go to medium high for sure. Well, Mike, we really appreciate being with us, and we, we wish you the best for the podcast. Have some great guests. Yeah, we've had our, we've had, we really have Darren Ping later on today is oh, uh, is on. He's a good friend and a character with. Lots of stories. We try to make it like story hour. So right. give it a shot if you get a chance. And yeah, absolutely. good to chat, boys. And let's All hope right. for the best for our, our local Bruins team. And thanks again to Mike Milbury for joining us. A uh, real special guest. It was really great to have Mike on. And you definitely want to check out MikeMilburysFightClub.com. Join. You get plenty of great content and a really good podcast with great guests. We'll take a quick break and come right back with the Whipping Boys right after this. Bruins fans, if you haven't heard about Anchor by Spotify, it's the easiest way to make a podcast with everything you need all in one place. Anchor has tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. When hosting on Anchor, you can distribute your podcast on listening platforms like Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and more. It's everything you need to make a podcast all in one place. And best of all, Anchor is totally free. So go ahead and download the Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. We're back on the Bruins Benders podcast. We appreciate you listening. And it's time now for our Whipping Boys segment. So my whipping boy is Fred Frederick. And uh, Frederick is back in the lineup. He, he came back during the uh, Canucks game. So he's been in the lineup for two games since, you know, pretty much the same Trent Frederick. And I feel like on Twitter, fans so desperately want Trent Frederick to be a thing, to be something that they will find any little thing he does 
and think it's a positive. And I've heard so much about, oh, Frederick's looking good in that third-line center. Like, he's a more natural center. He still has done zero. Like, I don't understand. Like, I, you know, good. He's a natural center, and he feels better there. And maybe he's played a tad bit better or feels more at home there. Fine. But he's not doing anything. So I'm still in, I'm still in this zone of Frederick is just not a legitimate NHL player. And he's a, maybe he's a 4A player. He's an AHL player for life. Fine. But I'm, I'm all set with Trent Frederick. I've seen enough. Let's move on. Yeah, I'm, I'm with you. I just feel like he just takes up space. He doesn't really mm-hmm. do anything. You know, you don't notice him during the games. You don't notice him. So that's not really a good thing. Fine. Yeah, he didn't make any glaring errors as third-line center. So, I mean, kudos. Great job. You didn't fuck things up. (laughs) I mean, we need more than that. We need more than that. Especially as a third-line center. Right. Not a fourth-line, third-line. We need more than that. It's getting to the point where there's some of these guys, like the bottom six guys, need to start doing more to get themselves noticed during games. It, It just, It just... It's all interchangeable parts. Like, it doesn't matter who's in the lineup because the results are always the same. No one really does anything that, like, goes out and grabs a job. The closest you could get to it, honestly, was Anton Bleed was playing pretty well, like, the last two or three games. Right. Fourth line before he got hurt. You know, he had an assist. He hits people. He irritates people. That's what you need. Need more of that. So, yeah, Frederick, no good. Uh, My... (laughs) My whipping boy, Connor Clifton, was scratched again. So, I, I mean, I don't know what to complain about, but I might complain about uh, Mike Riley. Because Mike Riley, okay. uh, right. in the defensive zone, is killing me. Is just killing me. And tonight... I mean, he basically cost them the game with the fucking retaliation penalty, the stupid, you know, the guy cross-checks him and he gets up and just two-hands the guy in the back. I mean, what are you doing? Yeah. You just tied the game, yeah. you know, have some discipline. I mean, I, I understand that you're trying to play more physically and, and he has been doing that and to a certain degree that's been better. And he does move the puck pretty well. Like, I don't have a problem with him in the offensive zone. In the defensive zone, though, he's not good. No, he's not very good. So, he's not very good, no. If I was looking to upgrade the team on the defensive side, honestly, I would be looking to replace him. Yeah, me too. Me I would too. be looking to replace him. And, and Mike Riley, when he came here last season, toward the end of last season, he was a puck mover. So he kind of stood out in his puck moving ability, and that's what they needed. So people kind of overlooked the defense with him. Now it's a glaring liability. I mean, he's not a very good defensive defenseman at all. And they re-upped him. With, a, with another contract, yeah. and they could have just sort of let him go and gone with someone else there. But instead, they decide to sign him. And it's, it just wasn't, looking back, and I know it's revisionist history, looking back, I don't think that was a smart move. I think they should have gone somewhere else. Even if it was a more steady defenseman, without the offensive repertoire, I think it would have been a better move for them then. But hey, fell in love with his puck-moving ability and his offensive skill. And now he really doesn't provide enough of that to warrant the liability on the defensive end. No, I wonder if you could, I wonder if you, I mean, DeBrusque has asked for a trade. I wonder if you could package DeBrusque and Riley and whatever, maybe a first round pick, maybe 
you know, half your bottom six, maybe all of the mm-hmm. Providence team uh, <laughs> right. to, to, right. to get a legitimate left shot, you know, top four. I wonder if you could. I, I don't hey, know if you could, maybe. but I wonder if, I mean, people say that DeBrusque has a market. Yeah. Elliot Friedman says up to 12 teams have reached out. So I wonder if you, you know, a team looking for a puck mover, I mean, they probably wouldn't give up their, <laughs> their top left lefty to replace it with no. Mike Riley, though. So no. no. But uh, maybe a change of, you know, it's going to be a change of scenery guy or draft picks, or you have to look Riley and DeBrus together is like 7 million bucks. Right. So that would, that'd be good. That's what I mean yeah, is like, you know. maybe you can get a, a top four guy, but I, I right. yeah, but it would probably have to be a top four guy. Like you said, that's on the outs with an organization, or maybe it's a guy like Chikrin in Arizona that mm-hmm. has been dreadful that mm-hmm. has top four ability, but has just been stuck in a, you know, a black hole of suck. Maybe he just needs, like you said, a change of scenery. Maybe that's the move. Would you go to Bruskin Riley for Chickering and Kessel? Yes, I would. I would, I would do that. I would 100% do that. Uh, 100%. Do that. And I'd probably throw in picks to them. Right. I probably would. I don't know what Kessel makes, so I don't know if the salaries match. He's, but his his uh, his cap hit is six point eight, I believe. I don't know what Chickren's is. Chickren's probably I, high too, so I, I you yeah, probably couldn't. So they would have to retain, and in order for them to retain, you'd have to you know include the draft picks probably. But I, you know, the way this team's drafting, you know, I I think I'd rather just take a flyer on Chickren and have Kessel in there, who could probably put in a goal or two on a, you know, and improve your second line, sco- you know, secondary scoring some, and take another flyer on him. He's, you know, he's toward the end of his go and stuff. But you know, I think it's, you know, his salary is like eight hundred sixty-five k, but his cap hit is like six six eight five or something. But I would do that too. I'm in agreement on that. All right, it's time now for beauties and benders. And Smitty, who are the beauties this week? Are there any? <laughs> uh, I was struggling to find beauties this week, honestly. I was too. Uh, yeah. So I have Charlie McAvoy third. Played yeah. 28 minutes in the Vancouver game. Uh, had an assist tonight. You know, obviously he's irreplaceable on the team. So McAvoy three. I have pasta number two. Uh, had a goal tonight. Had his legs. Had a couple the other night. Seems to be kind of finding his finding his stride a little bit. Uh, which the Bruins desperately need. So it'd be good to see him, you know, get going and go on a run, score, you know, four or five goals in a week or something. And then I have, I have Marchand first. I mean, he's, he's the MVP of the team, if not the MVP of the league. They go as he goes. If he has an off night, they don't win. If he's great, they usually win. So it's going to be, you know, a challenge these next, uh, you know, they lost tonight. And then these next couple games, it's going to be a challenge without him in the lineup. No, no question. Uh, my beauty is number three, Mike Milbury. <laughs> yes, <laughs> sir. Many Bruins. And uh, Milbury was a great interview. I loved his take on Taylor Hall looking like shit. I yeah. liked that a lot. I liked his take on, on a lot of things about the Bruins. And, and he was sort of in agreement with us that a, a, a rebuild is almost inevitable uh, and hard to get around right now. So uh, we appreciate Mike being on. And he's number three. Number two, Charlie McAvoy. I mean, he's carrying the load. He's the Ray Bork of the future. I mean, he plays. A, he'll play a ton of minutes. He'll be bulldog uh i still like him to shoot the puck a little more and especially tonight against detroit i mean i thought he had some chances particularly in the five on three try to get some pucks on that but you know he's he's just a really really good player one of the top defensemen in the league and then number one i have marshand as well very rarely in hockey do you see a guy who will dominate a game like a marshand can especially at his size like you say and he dominates games he's the difference in hockey games which is you know, sort of rare, and especially the way he dominates. All right, so our benders, who are your three benders? 
my three vendors. So I have Jake DeBrus third. Face it. You're a Neo Maxi Zoom dweeby. Jake didn't yeah. cover himself in glory tonight. I mean, he should be out. He should have been out there flying around. If he wants to go get right. traded and go to another team, he needs to help himself. But he, he was not like his effort was not good sure. at all tonight. And, you know, scratched the other night. So he, Jake needs to be better. And, and hopefully uh, he will be. And, you know, it'll be good for him and the Bruins, you know, if he mm. gets a change of scenery. My number two is Curtis Lazar. Face it. You're a Neo Maxi Zoom dweeby. He is invisible. He's not doing anything well right now. He's not chipping in offensively. He's not really hitting. Took a penalty tonight. You know, he's not showing up in a positive note. It's only when he messes things up, turns the puck over, ices the puck, takes a bad penalty. So I wouldn't be surprised to see him on the on the ninth floor sometime soon. And then my uh, number one is Eric Halla. Face it. You're a Neo Maxi Zoom dweeby. He just scratch the other night hasn't really done much of anything all year long uh he did get the one goal finally looked like maybe he was turning the corner i thought tonight he was okay he seemed to use his feet a little bit more he drew a penalty Mm -hmm. so he was a little better tonight hopefully you know that's a sign of things to come uh my benders three ahead curtis lazar as well face it you're a neo maxi zoom dweeby he doesn't really do all that much. We heard, you know, sort of the scouting report coming in when they got him was that he was a grinder, a really good bottom six kind of guy who could forecheck and make some things happen. He hasn't done much of anything. Uh, and he just kind of skates around like, like any Bruins prospect has the last three or four years. Uh, number two, Eric Haller. Face it. You're a Neo Maxi Zoom dweeby. Haller takes some bad penalties especially earlier in the year, he's been not a great free agent signing. And if you look at the free agent signings, and Mike Milbury actually mentioned this earlier, you see a lot of those free agent signings just not doing much of anything. And it's uh, and it's really been disappointing. And they may have whiffed on just about all of them. Uh, and then number one, you know, I have Taylor Hall. Face it. You're a Neo Maxi Zoom dweeby. Well, we had the assist tonight on the good play on the 5 on 3, I think it was, or to Pasternak for the goal. But you know what? They just need a ton more. There was a couple of sequences tonight where he showed his skill and his speed and tried to make a play. The knock on Taylor Hall his whole career has been that he just disappears and he just doesn't look like he cares. And Mike Melbury mentioned it today in the podcast. It just doesn't look like he gives a shit and he needs to give a shit more if they're going to go anywhere or do anything. Yeah, that's absolutely true. I thought Hall tonight was good. I think he probably got a little juice from, from going up to the first line and let's see if that continues is really what, what you want to see. You know, he was good tonight. Uh, They didn't win. He was good tonight. So let's see if that carries over to, uh, Mm to some of these other games coming up. No question. Uh, top seven Bruins Benders podcast power rankings coming up right now. And number seven, Minnesota, the wild are first in the central number six, climbing up one spot, the Calgary flames of the Bruins have seen recently. They're first in the Pacific and playing well. Number five, the Florida Panthers have dropped a spot to five. They are 14, four and three on the season and they are nip and tuck with the Carolina hurricanes who are number four on the rankings. They dropped two spots. But they are still 15-4-1 on the season. Number three, Tampa Bay Lightning are climbing up, it seems to be, every single week and getting better and better. And they're going to be a force to be reckoned with again. They climb up one spot. They're 7-2-1 and one in the last 10. And then number two, the Washington Capitals, a new entry 
jumps right to number two because they're eight, one, and one in their last 10 and playing really good hockey. And Alex, Alex Ovechkin, talk about Tom Brady at a certain age. Mm-hmm. Alex Ovechkin is sort of on that path. I mean, he's just unbelievable. Yeah, he's having a fantastic year. I mean, he's just, he's going to get Gretzky's record for sure. My question to you is, do you think he'll get a thousand goals? Never mind 892. Well, do you think he's going to well, get a thousand? thing is that he, he very well could. I, I mean, think so. He, I mean, he's, first of all, his, his body, like he is, he plays, I mean, he's sort of a rugged guy. Yeah. He's a, he's thick. He's yeah, built. He is. He's strong. Yeah. And, uh, and he can shoot the puck like nobody's business. I mean, mm-hmm. I don't know if there's anybody who shoots the puck like him. I mean, he may be the best shooter of the puck, or at least top two or three ever. Just unbelievable sniper. And then Toronto, number one, they move up five spots. They're 9-1 and one in the last 10, and they're first in the Atlantic, and it's all setting up for another epic collapse. <laughs> <laughs> we love it. Tremendous. So the bottom three, number 30, the New York Islanders, a new entry. They have just been an absolute dumpster fire with the COVID stuff yeah. and yeah. and all the stuff going on around that team. Just just miserable lately. Can't seem to, can't seem to get any wins. Uh, number number thirty one Ottawa uh, had nine points last week, last week still have nine points <laughs> and and number thirty two your Montreal Canadiens uh, Scott Mellonby just quits because he was up for the general manager job and then they weren't going to give it to him and then Bergerman found out and it's just oh, yeah. an absolute mess. So I, I, it looks like Jeff Gordon is going to go in there and, and take over the hockey operations. So, uh, you know, mm-hmm. former, uh, former Bruins uh, assistant general manager. Uh, I guess he was general manager there for a hot second while Shirelli was getting hired away from uh, yeah. Ottawa. So it looks yeah. like he's going to go in and, and take over the Habs. So, uh, you know, good luck to Jeff. He's going to need it. He, he definitely is. And, Jeff, you know, people have clamored for Jeff to be the Bruins general manager for a while, uh, highly touted, mm-hmm. but that Montreal team and they were, look, they were on the rise. I mean, they were, they were coming pretty hard there and looked like they were going to be, you know, continue to be a force to be reckoned with. But then Kerry Price has had, you know, had some issues and, and was, and was out and, and their team, the defense has really declined. And well, yeah, they, Weber they being losing. out for the season. Yeah, Weber being out and maybe gone for however long, maybe ever, is not good. And of course, they they get blown out in games. They don't just lose games. They yeah. have, you know five one six one seven two. I mean, they get they really get bounced in games. And, and you know what? It's all wonderful. <laughs> it certainly is. Uh, all right. The week ahead for the Bruins, Thursday, December 2nd, at the Nashville Predators, having about the same type of season the Bruins have. They're right around, you know, 11 and 9 or 10 and 9 or just above 500. Uh, and then Saturday, December 4th, versus the Tampa Bay Lightning. Of course, the Lightning have been playing really, really well of late and always a nemesis for the Boston Bruins and not the type of team you want to see anywhere near the next few days. Especially without Marchand. Without Marchand, that'll be the third game of his three-game suspension. Can't beat good teams. So nope. seeing uh, seeing them on the back end of that that little stretch there with uh, without Marchand is going to be a tough chore. No, it's, it's, it most certainly is. And again, you know, Tampa Bay has, has ousted them, and, and they, they have a hard time with Tampa, and I don't see it uh, being any different this time around. Hey, we had a Bender's poll out on Twitter. Who is to blame for the Jake DeBrusque situation? And the choices were Jake DeBrusque himself, Bruce Cassidy, Don Sweeney, or Bruins fans. And 55 vote, 56 votes on it. So a good response. Jake DeBrusque at 73%. So 
you know, three quarters of the vote voters thought that DeBrusque was in fact responsible for this entire situation. 11% to Bruce Cassidy, which I was a little surprised about because I, I have seen and heard some people talking about how Cassidy, you know, is had an ax to grind with him or was, wasn't developing him, him and, and then called him out. And so, so there were some people leaning toward Cassidy being part of the problem. And as you saw tonight, without Cassidy there due to the COVID protocol, DeBrusque still gave the same effort. You know, the, the team had 67 attempted shots, and he had one of them. One. That's it. So he didn't do much of anything. Don Sweeney, 14%. Some people still still pissed that he drafted him where he did. Uh, and then Bruins fans are 2%. And a couple wrote in about Nazem Kadri and that hit that uh, caused the uh, concussion, some of the issues that DeBrusque had. And I'll tell you what, I would make a case that that led to maybe, like I said before, maybe a little lesser passion for the game. And I really wonder if that's a case with Jake. Yeah, I, I think that could be a possibility. Some people don't return from concussions the same. I mean, he had some mental health-related issues during the pandemic. So he certainly had a tough time since that, since that cadre hit. And, you know, maybe that has something to do with it. I still feel like it's mostly his fault. It's really all about the effort. If, you, if he was giving his maximum effort. Like if he was giving Craig Smith's effort every night, Jake right. DeBrusque wouldn't be traded. Jake DeBrusque no. would be a consistent 30 goal scorer because he has that right. kind of ability and that kind of talent and that, that kind of skating ability. But he just does not give the kind of effort that you'd like to see. Like you see flashes of it and you're like, oh, Jesus, Jake, if we could only get it. this every game, you would right. be like a perennial 30 goal scorer. But he, it's like he'll, he'll go through hot stretches. That was early in, the, early in the career, Jake, where he was three games and score five goals, and then he'd go 12 games and not score one. You know, he, right. he just too much inconsistency and too much problem with the effort. Yeah, and I, you still go back to that Toronto playoff game when he, when he went under the stick of Jake Gardner and crushed and that scored that big goal. And that's the Jake DeBrus that we fell in love with. And that's the Jake DeBrus that we're, we keep looking out the window for. Like we still, we want that Jake DeBrus to come back. Hasn't been back. And I don't think it's coming back. I just don't. And I, and I really feel like if you just continue to not give effort, I will say this, no one ever loved scoring goals more than Jake DeBrusque. And I think Cassidy even said it. You can't just feel good about yourself when you score and then, and then go play hard. And when he doesn't score is when he just doesn't have much love for the other parts of the game. And it's not just about scoring goals. Go play men, men's league right. if you want to do that. So I think that that's, you know, that could be part of it too. Just wanting to score. And then when he doesn't score, just kind of mope and, and not really provide much effort to do the little things to get yourself back on track. And then he, and then he finds this hole that he's in right now. And we'll see what happens. I don't think you can get much for him. Maybe you package, you know, some people together and get creative. I'm not sure what you do, but you're not going to get much in return. So you're going to take either another change of scenery guy or you're going to take maybe a draft pick or two or something. Uh, but it's not going to be you know a heck of a lot for sure. So that'll do it for this episode of the Bruins Benders podcast. We really appreciate everybody listening. And thanks again to Mike Milbury, a great guest. We had a lot of fun with him. Please rate and review on Apple Podcasts. And if you rate and review the podcast, we will donate money to the Bruins Foundation. So for every review, we will donate a dollar to the Bruins Foundation. 
follow us on Twitter. We do polls. We do game updates throughout each game as well. And we love to be interactive with the fans. So thanks again. Have a great week, everybody. Go Bruins. Thanks a lot. Bye.